Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And this is our, for me anyways, my my favorite uh, uh, podcast outside of a se- the initial season preview. Uh, it's always my favorite one of the year. It's the, the, the post-trade deadline, uh, what happened, what didn't, uh, and uh, uh, what teams uh, uh, made moves that have fans excited for the final stretch uh, that are looking more at uh, if you travel for playoff things uh, or traveling to go to a, a World Series destination or starting to look at uh, maybe airfare a little bit more or that type of stuff. What's got you uh, checking the, the sales uh, for a one and getaway? Uh, and uh, and what teams are uh, have you eaten your hat and uh, not uh, can't even think about next year, let alone uh, this year within it? Uh, and anything and everything between. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, Realtors that are going to be having some uh, fun. So we've got a great new place for you as, as new destinations uh, and all that stuff combined. So as we take a look at, uh, again, my second favorite uh, podcast of the year, we'll do our trade deadline breakdown, winners, losers, and brewers. We have three categories for you today, uh, and uh, we'll get a chance to look at that. Uh, and good, good stuff to talk in each of those categories. But before we dive in, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games, trade deadlines, and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, You have been uh, on location of late this summer, uh, so you've been on the move as well. I have, yes. The wagon has stayed open. My dad has ran it without me the past few weeks. So a conditional uh, trade for a player to be named later? Exactly. Exactly what happened there. I was in... Reedsburg the past couple of weeks, and well, I should say the last weekend, the last Saturday and Sunday, or Friday and Saturday, and it was good. And I get to see some people that I don't usually see, so that was fun. Uh, nothing this week, and then the following week, you can see me in Laval. That would be August, ooh, I'd have to look at a calendar, I think it's the 13th, whatever that Sunday is. I will be on location on Laval, they have a parade, and I will be selling popcorn there too. So this week, got to come to Rock Springs though. We'll go back to the old stomping grounds and uh, get a chance to uh, uh, make yourself familiarized again uh, with uh, how things work it. there. I forgot yeah, about it, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, there are some people that are getting more, uh, having to get more familiarized, but with new territory. Uh, and as we uh, dive into our uh, trade deadline, I guess briefly first thoughts on, for me, I go beyond not just the day of the trade deadline, but the overall trade season with a couple of days uh, leading up to it within it. Overall thoughts, impressions uh, on this year's uh, uh, trade deadline? Um, it was a little lacking in the end for what we thought. Like, we knew about a week. We said on the last podcast when we previewed it, we didn't think Otani would trade. And then about a week or so before, the Angels said, no, we're not trading with Shohei Otani. Why would we do that? So we called that one. But then some of the big names that were talked about in the day, you'd heard, you know, Teoscar Hernandez's name and Dylan Cease's name, and well, you're just waiting for one of the Cubs go. and Padres pulled back. Uh, and Padres and so then you had yeah, uh, yeah. Bellinger and Stroman, uh, and then you had Blake Josh Snell Hader, and Josh Blake Hader. Hader. Yeah. Uh, so the those are four that everyone expected a week 
beforehand were all going to be big moves, and then they all got pulled back. So uh, that definitely had a, a play within it. I don't think we fully predicted. It, the thoughts were there. Maybe one. I don't know if we thought of both. Of, of the Mets doing the sell-off. That was uh, uh, more of the surprise, I think, of, of this year's uh, deadline within. I don't think there was a specific player that was moved uh, that was a surprise, and, and there was no major, like, prize. I guess uh, one, Jake Berger, uh, was the one that was there just because you weren't expecting it per se uh, within it, uh, which $5 burgers. Uh, I saw uh, that. That's uh, fantastic. Way to go, Marlins. Good Come marketing on. there. You were on it already. Uh, and uh, having some fun with that for his debut. Uh, so with that, let's talk winners right away. What teams uh, uh, or deals within it across the board, what stood out to you uh, from the – uh, teams that decided to uh, either go all in or be aggressive towards a playoff push. Let's start. I want to talk about the Cubs for a second here because you mentioned that they got hot and they didn't trade away Bellinger and Stroman. Instead, they decided to keep them and they added. And they've been playing Nick Madrigal at third base, which that has not been pretty. Well, he's a very good defender. He has great contact ability. He, I think I could hit the ball further than him and that's saying something because I'm not very good actually at playing baseball. I just like talking about it. So they went out and they added Jimer Candelario. That had been a big name, right? We talked about him a lot. Three of the past four seasons as a switch hitter, he's been really good. That short year, he had 297. 2021 is when he led the league in, or the AL in doubles. 2022 was, was bad. He was not good last year, 2017. But this year, he's he's great. Been good. Two, he's 16 home runs. Clear upgrade. I know they played him at first base in the first game, which kind of surprised me. I figured he'd play third. I thought that was a great move for the Cubs. If you're going to... Uh Say hey, let's uh, let's make the last couple months interesting. Uh, within it, they went out and added one of the better bats that was available. There's a definite offensive shortage in uh, things that were available, and you go out and get arguably the most uh, impactful bat that was uh, that was available uh, at the at the deadline. So made a ton of sense. the The hard part for them is the Stroman going on the IL. Yeah. Uh, so the which. It sounds like that was something known for at least a few days that this was coming. Uh, if I mean, granted, all all you could have done is trade Bellinger, but if you lose your top pitcher uh, and you're already on the fence, I get, uh, hey, grab a guy and go for it and see. Uh, but again, this I think this will be a short-sighted move uh, where it would have made more sense. Bellinger would have been the biggest bat uh, available, and I think they could have gotten something solid for him. Uh, but I can, I never fault the team for wanting to go for it. No, you never can. And the Cubs, they're not. They're definitely not out of it anymore. They've gotten hot recently. We will see if they can keep it up here. It looks like they are currently, after destroying the Reds last night, they are currently down five to two. I just checked the score there. As Joey Votto hit a home run in the past inning. Uh, another team that I liked what they did. We'll keep it in the National League here. You already mentioned Jake Berger. What have we said for years? The Marlins need to add bats. They added two, and maybe not super flashy names, but. Definite improvements to their lineup, which doesn't we said it doesn't take a whole lot. But Jake Berger, say what you want, like he has as much power as anyone in baseball. Now he's going to strike out. He's very much Jorge Soler, right? They already have Jorge Soler, and now they have infielder Jorge Soler. But big power, big strikeouts, under control through twenty twenty nine. I really don't care that he's going to one of the biggest parks. This dude can hit thirty home runs anywhere's. But that's the point. If you're going to go for power there within, you need guys with clear cut power. Uh, and, and Soler has that power. Berger has that power. It's, it's a great fit for this particular team and home ballpark. And then on the other corner, then they said, 
we'll get to Cleveland, but Cleveland suddenly had a mini glut of first baseman. Josh Naylor's playing great, and they made a trade to acquire their future first baseman slash DH, however they want to do it. So no need for Josh Bell. The Marlins said, we will take Josh Bell off you. It was a disappointing first half of the season in Cleveland, absolutely, especially on an average basis. The counting stats are still there. Somehow he's only 30 years old. It feels like he should be like mid-30s by now, but he's still only 30 years old. He's going to be there. I think he has a player option for next year. You could easily see him exercising that unless he picks it up in the second half. And doing so, they actually dumped Gene Segura's ridiculous salary, and Cleveland has since already cut him. But cost him Khalil Watson. But, look, this team is this team is in contention. And we said it. They needed to add offense. You added two bats. And two – Josh Bell has been very good in the past. And Jake Berger, as I said, we said it, as much power as anybody, this is probably the biggest power bet – along with Solaire, they've had since Stanton. So it it was good. They added a closer, David Robertson. That was a little earlier in the trade season. So I liked what the Marlins did. I thought that was a good uh, use of GMing by Kim Ong. Well, and I think the – like I talked about, I don't fault teams for, for going for it. And uh, and that leads to my first – to me, in a category that I, I have the Marlins here, and then I also have uh, the Angels. Uh, so if, if you are still trying to desperately convince – uh, Otani to stay, uh, then saying no team has at least tried to be more aggressive, uh, and if and if you get an A for effort, if that matters to Otani, if the comfort level is there, that he may not necessarily want to jump ship. Uh, if if it's a matter of, like show me that you can at least try, they have. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, they've uh, uh, from uh, Lucas Giolito to. Uh, C.J. Crone to who was a couple of the other guys that were there that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Randall Gritchick. They entered Randall Gritchick in the Paul in the C.J. Crone deal and the Lucas Giolito deal. They got Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, they they absolutely went out. They are a better team now than they were. Lucas Giolito. Okay, he got lit up today by the Braves. That happens. A lot of pitchers get lit up by the Braves. That's it. But true rental for sure. But I haven't said I'm not even in that much of a Giolito fan. But this is still one of the better pitchers they've had in a long time. They they have had. Other beyond Otani division, they've had such struggling pitchers, but I think that Giolito will probably be fine for them. Ronaldo Lopez, another rental. They, they traded off. They got two rentals here. So could they both be gone? And could you, if if all of these players, including Otani, leaves, this is going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. Like it could be really bad next year. But for now, you're going it, for it. It's a and gamble to it. keep Otani. And, and what that says to me also is that they've heard the rumors of what uh, his price tag is going to be. Mm-hmm. If you don't think you're within a hundred million dollar range of that, you would trade him, right? But this says we want to keep him, and also if you want to keep him, you're also realistic to the cost. So if if you're if the cost is there and saying hey we can be up there with anyone else or putting near top dollar of what he could get in the off season for that, and you have that commitment from ownership, yeah, try to keep him. You're not going to find anyone like him uh, within it, and find someone that knows how to put together a playoff powerhouse with two of the top 10 best players in Major League Baseball, one potentially of all time uh, within it. So figure it out, and that also is part of the addition. Trout is is coming back at some point uh, within it, so that you're going to have that addition as you get closer to it. I, I like what they did, and I like what the Marlins did. I, I, as you were talking about the... Uh, their pitching has uh, has surprised everybody or come out dominant uh, within it. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is starting to find his groove yeah, uh, back go, within it. 
Uh, I went to his uh, start when he got his first uh, complete game in a while with uh, the Rays, and uh, uh, so my reverse jinx uh, helped to uh, uh, get him back on track. Josh Bell had a home run tonight. I was just still looking at that. Josh Bell has a one for two with a home run and a walk. They're losing to the Phillies. but And what does that tell you, and we'll come to this later, but you have the, the Marlins buying and the Mets selling. Uh, that's a whole different thing. We'll wait on that with it. Let's talk about other winners. How about I like the mm, – who do I want to talk about here? I will mention that I like what the Jays did. Uh, Blue Jays. So they had two holes that they didn't necessarily expect, and right before the trade deadline they said, how can we fill these holes? And so Jordan Romano went on the injured list. And so they went out and they got Jordan Hicks, maybe not the best closer on the market because Paul Seawald, surprisingly, was traded. We'll get to him in a little bit. But Jordan Hicks, very good closer, still can bring it. Right after Jordan Romano hits the IL, they say, let's get Jordan Hicks in here. Still pumping 100-mile-an-hour heat, big slider. For now, he will step into the closer's role. And then when Romano comes back, it doesn't sound like it's going to be something that's going to keep him out all year. Jordan Hicks and Jordan Romano for him. Look, along with Eric Swanson, it's probably one of the best back ends of the bullpen that the Blue Jays specifically have had in a long time. And then Chuck on, was it Monday night? Bo Bichette hit a ball down the right field line that looked like an easy double. And as he was rounding first base, he grabbed his right knee and it looked terrifying. And I was so worried that he was going to be gone for all the Josh Belter singled. And, but it sounds like it was, they say, need his comfort. They put him on the injured list. They had to fill in the spot. You can't play without a shortstop. They do have you know, Santiago Espinal. They can find a way. But on a smaller move, they went out and they traded for Paul DeYoung, who, hey, that fills the spot. And then when Bichette comes back, that's more team depth. So not huge game-breaking moves, but you had two holes suddenly. You filled two holes with two Cardinals. And those holes uh, and the ultra-competitive American League and as challenging as it's going to be, if you slump for even one, two weeks within that, that could be the difference between making the playoffs as a wild card or not. Uh, and so uh, that uh, front office, uh, aggressive and filling in solid guys, it's not splashy, but it, these are the type that will keep you from those gashes from becoming full damn breaks. Uh, and and that's that matters in, in contention mode in close uh, proximity to th- those that are around you. I have another winner in order to keep in the American League. And this is the one that went out and I think was probably the most aggressive team this trade deadline, unless I'm forgetting somebody, is the Texas Rangers. Texas. They're the most aggressive team in the last two years. Yep. Uh, As far as acquiring superstar talent, they are for sure. Absolutely. Because, look, DeGrom's hurt. We said it before. You know who's, I don't want to say the closest thing to Jacob DeGrom, because he's not. He's not what he used to be. But when it comes to game one of the world's, like, you're telling me that I'm starting a pitcher for one game in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure I'm still going to take Max Scherzer. He's certainly in the top, like, three that I'm going to pick. So, the Rangers acquire Max Scherzer along with $22.5 million. In exchange, they give up Luis Angel Acuna, most famously, the little brother of Ronald. Uh, he's a middle infield prospect. A very good prospect in his own right. Like, he's not Ronald. He doesn't have that power, but he could be an incredible middle infield prospect. I think he stole 42 bases already this year. Scherzer, in order to make this happen, had to already agree he will be with the with the Rangers next year. So we already exercised that option, or it's already agreed he will exercise that option. And the return for the Mets feels a little light, but we'll get to them in a little bit. But Scherzer, not the player he was. I said still one of the best pitchers that you can ask for. Then on top of it, they say we'll also add Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was another pitcher that was at least was among the better ones that got traded. Texas just tries to get every short uh, starting pitcher that they could, and 
I, I like the move. They got Jordan Montgomery. They actually got Chris Stanton in that deal, too, for some minor leaguers. Look, they're, they're pushing the chips in. This Counting is already a great Chapman, uh, yeah, Chapman earlier within it, and then now Stratton, that bullpen is getting uh, uh, underrated improvements uh, within it. Uh, I'll go on record as saying I think Montgomery will have a bigger impact than Scherzer. Uh, for the second half of the stretch, there he is. Uh, I watched what he did with the uh, the Cardinals last year, with an after a trade within it, he, uh, solid and uh, ends up with uh, better numbers at the end than you think he does. Uh, he has some struggles early in the first half of the year with it, or they're wondering maybe he's not quite the same. But I, I think he's a guy who, let's put it this way, I hope no one else does because I would love to see someone like the Rays sign him to like a Zach Eflin type contract and make uh, look brilliant on the other side of that. Uh, but I, I like that move for them. They have been aggressive in trying to get this going. Corey Seager came off the IL today within it. That offense is is back uh, uh, humming even more so uh, within it. You just need guys that are going to give you innings and just, just keep you in it. With that offense, just keep you in it, right? And Scherzer's going to keep you in it. Montgomery's going to keep you in it. You add it to their, especially after the Evaldi uh, uh, IL uh, coming there. They, they needed this. Uh, it already after. If you said, okay, DeGrom, I lost him. Okay, we're going to put Scherzer in his place. Okay, Evaldi, we lost him, but we can put Montgomery in his place. You like what they're doing, and and still one of the top three teams in the American League that you're going to be contending with uh, in that regard. And so I have them as part of a my second category is uh, contenders that went out and picked up one, one good piece. Uh, now, they added more than that. Uh, so that's the rest of the guys, but uh, um, Astros. Bringing back Verlander, it's the comfort level. I think matters more for him than Scherzer. Scherzer's a mis- uh, a mercenary uh, who's going to go around and do, and do that. That's his thing. He's now there at this age. He's doing that. Verlander is more about comfort. Uh, there's injury issues at the beginning. Coming back here, where he's, at, I think that's going to help him produce better numbers than he would have if he would have gone somewhere else. I do think that matters for him. And then uh, uh, Savali trade uh, to the Rays. I think those are the three teams for contenders that picked up a nice pitcher uh, that's going to help them down the stretch. Okay, here's my feeling on Justin Verlander. 100%, I don't know why they didn't just sign Justin Verlander. That's the weird part of this. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with that. Was their pitching the issue? Does Justin Verlander dress? Okay, I don't want to make this sound like I'm ripping on Justin Verlander. He's very good. Fran Valdez pitched a no-hitter against one of the worst lineups I've ever seen for Cleveland last night. Fran Valdez is a stud. Better pitcher than Justin Verlander at this point. Hunter Brown, J.P. France, uh, Christian Javier. You're going to get back Jose Urquidy any day now. And then eventually next year you get Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers in there. I don't know if Justin Verlander's, like, <laughs> without sounding I don't want to say he doesn't move the needle because he's Justin Verlander. He won the Cy Young Award with his team last season. But, like, who makes this team better? Justin Verlander or trading for, we talked about, like, Salvador Perez at catcher, where they've been learning out Martin Maldonado or Wilson Contreras. I, they have nothing at catcher. I don't know. I, I like Justin Verlander. I do. I just am not sure that that makes this team better, more better than if they had added a different catcher. That would be my feelings to that. See, I, I look at it this way. Like, I agree it's not necessarily the, this isn't going to, here's a weakness, and now we're putting this nice thing to that the rotation wasn't a weakness. Uh, but what is this team's uh, MO? What do they and- fully believe? <laughs> yes, yes. How do they do that? Yeah. What, how would you characterize this team? Gritty. 
inexperienced. No, or veteran. <laughs> Very veteran. And yeah, Justin. They, Bo- they <laughs> rely on the been there, done that, going to do it again mentality. And that is a full culture that they have there, which also means they're young guys that they brought up. The reason why they've been so successful, that's the atmosphere. That's the culture of this team. Verlander fits it to a T of here's another guy that you're going to put out there. If it's game one, game two, doesn't matter. Like someone who's going to be just part of it, been there, done that, going to do it again. Uh, I like that. Uh, from that standpoint, they got one of the best uh, uh, veterans available uh, at the deadline. And they got two very to good players. Tossing two ve- like Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford are two very highly respected outfielders. You could have just signed him. I don't, I, that's my thing here. Like you got the Mets to pay half his salary. You did now, get though. the Mets to pay half his salary. He wanted to be there all along. I had, I don't know. That that's the weird part of that. Okay, the Rays and Aaron Savale. I've said it many times. I don't understand Aaron Savale. I still don't understand Aaron Savale. Yes, he can spin the ball. Yes, people don't seem to hit him hard. I just don't trust the deception pitchers for all that long. Can he all pitch the peripherals? He does it. So, yes, he can. It's just not something I trust. I still think he's – what is he at about, like, a 2-2 ERA now? Yeah, that's not staying. <laughs> like, three and a half. I, I can get behind three and a half. And, and I'm good at three and a half for a number four pitcher. Sure. Uh, uh, also, cost control for the next couple of years. Sure. That that fits. I, I like that part of it. Jake Berger just walked. Um, five years ago, though, this would be the trade that I would say the Rays would do to someone. It feels like Aaron Savali is pitching above his head, right? We both agree that Aaron Savali is pitching above his yep. head. I think even the Rays agree with that. Kyle Manzardo, who's me, either Kyle Manzardo, Luis Angel Acuna, or Drew Gilbert, one of those three was the highest regarded prospect that got traded, right? Absolutely. It wasn't uh, cheap. To get no, him. no, no. It was not cheap. I, I don't know. Could it work out? Could Savali could Savali develop something new? Yep, he could. And that could work out just fine. And yes, they got team control for two, three more years. So where does he fit next year? Tell me that. Because I'm still confused here. Because we did this before. McClanahan. Yep. Boz. Yep. Taj Bradley. We're, we're not are we suddenly just down on Taj Bradley? No. He he was brought up early out of uh, injury necessity. He's not there yet. You're seeing solid things, but he's not there yet. Uh, yeah. But should he be next year? Yeah. Uh, and do, does he need innings so this way he can develop into that? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Springs comes back Jeffrey at some Springs point the next year. Point, right, yeah. Jeffrey Springs uh, in the midway point. Now you're at a Savali within us. So you're at like total. And Zach, Eflin. And Zach Eflin. So you're at seven pitchers, right? Seems like a big return, man. I don't know. Yes. The, well, sure, you can limit it. Uh, next year, what do you got? You got uh, Flanahan Glass now, Eflin Savale, Taj Bradley, Jeffrey Springs comes back. You get Shane Boz. It seems like a big return for a guy who's probably your sixth best pitcher if they're all healthy. The thing, there's always multiple moves at play, right? The Rays never sure. play. They play chess when everyone plays checkers. Sure. Uh, Tyler Glass now has one year left with $25 million price tag. Uh as well as he's pitching with always the injury risk that's there. Could he be moved in the offseason? Uh, for example, uh, since they're always talking about it, what about a Tyler Glass now for Paul Goldschmidt trade? That's the type of stuff that's there. And he's the guy that could get you an impact bat. Now, again, with only one year, you still have some limitations to that. Uh, but I think whether... And the Rays have also seen they lost three at least three pitchers this year to uh, injury for the year. Uh, going back into last year as as well, so uh, three and a half for for Glasnow's part within it. So they might have seven now, 
Will they have only five at some point next year as part of injuries and attrition and things within it? You'd rather have that type of depth. And now they're back to when the Rays, it was definitely the home runs that were huge for them at the beginning of the year. Uh, but they had length in that rotation. It was the best it looked since the uh, David Price, uh, Matt Garza, James Shields era, uh, where they could go seven innings. Uh, and you, they were taking the ball and going within it. You had that depth, then you lost a good portion of that. And Jeff Springs gets uh, forgotten. Buster Olney was calling him a dark horse Cy Young candidate, or Jeff Passan was one of those two guys who were within it. If you predicted him to win your Cy Young, uh, no, I, I saw it. I, I, I drank. I uh, drank that Kool Aid uh, <laughs> within it, and so you're not. They have struggled, and it led one thing into another. You have uh, you need pitching that needs to give you a little more of a uh, take some of the weight off the offense, and then less innings on the bullpen. Uh, and so by now getting at least four strong because they were at three and Taj Bradley, as a young a rookie was, 50-50, right? If you're going to get three innings or you're going to get seven innings, you didn't know. Now, a lot of that's in Major League Baseball uh, this year within it. We, we grant that, but they had no fifth starter at the same time with it. So I, I like that overall from that perspective, uh, but it was a hefty price to pay. Uh, and even though it helps now, uh, was that a short-sighted part to fill this uh, and uh, is Kyle Manzardo going to be the uh, guy who finally helps Cleveland's offense uh, within it? Because they, by clearing out Bell, uh, September call-up definitely seems like a possibility for him. I would expect uh, I would expect him to get up this year, and then they keep him early up next year and try to get that because he's definitely within the hundred. He's definitely in the top hundred. You try to get that extra pick, right? You, you win a rookie of the year, get that extra pick. I would say I would feel better if I don't know why the return was. Maybe I underestimate or overestimate the value of Jonathan Aranda. I don't know. That's the one that I would have said. It made more sense for him. That's the one I would have said. If you told me that it was Aaron Savali for Jonathan Aranda, I'd have said, okay, well, that makes sense. But Kyle Manzardo just seemed like a big return for a guy that we all agree is pitching over his head. Can still be good. Maybe not this good. Who was the third team in this category? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So It was the Rays, Rangers, and Astros. So we, we talked about through those uh, uh, within it. What I would say is the, the, the team that nailed the uh, – the, on the other side, you're not going to be going to the playoffs this year. Uh, what are you getting back to help as part of the retooling? Uh, so a winner in that category, I have the Chicago White Sox. I like what the White Sox did as far as trading for prospects. So they moved early on. They moved Lucas, excuse me, Lucas Giolito. We already mentioned that. They got back Edward Quero, top 100 catching prospect. Uh, we didn't mention it with the Astros. The Astros also traded for Kendall Graveman because they have a love affair with Kendall Graveman. That's their guy. <laughs> in doing so, they actually traded another catcher, Corey Lee. The Astros have gotten good production. So I was saying they don't have a lot of production out of Martin Maldonado. While Jordan Alvarez was hurt, they got good production out of Yainer Diaz, who's actually a catcher by nature. Yes. So that's how he suddenly became expendable. And then Lance Lynn moved to the Dodgers along with Joe Kelly because the Dodgers loved them some Joe Kelly. I remember I was all about the reunifications our last podcast, and I got a whole bunch of them. So Joe Kelly with the Dodgers. Uh, Lance Lynn, dead last among qualified starters in ERA. Like, only five of them were over five. Lance Lynn got traded with a 647. Ready for the other ones? Over five. Jordan Lyles, Austin Gomber, Brady Singer, and Patrick Corbin. There's the list. Yep. Now, he was getting really unlucky last night. I watched Lance Lynn start. Granted, it was against Oakland. He did give up three home runs. They were all solo home runs. So he probably got a little lucky, but I think it was seven innings, three earned runs. Wouldn't be shocked for the Dodgers if he doesn't pitch to a like mid three zero eight. But the return, like Nick Mastrini is a big one there. Like the Dodgers 
double-A rotation. That's what Sheehan was at for a long time. Like, just ridiculous numbers. Nostrini's part of that 99-mile-an-hour, like, ridiculous fastball. He walks a few too many, but honestly, wouldn't be surprised if he's in the rotation next year for Oakland. Jordan Leisure. I, I did. As far as returns go, look, they didn't sell the entire system. Tim Anderson's still there. We talked about that a little before we started. We thought he'd be gone. He's not. Dylan Cease, I never really thought he would leave. I think the asking price is massive, as it should be. Now, he got absolutely lit up tonight by Texas, but I think they should ask for a lot. We saw what the returns were for pitchers not of Dylan Cease's caliber. And so, yeah, as far as the White Sox go, they should have torn this down a while ago. The only person that should be completely exempt from being on this watch is Luis Robert. Beyond that, anything can go, I think. Oh, also, Jake Eater for Jake Berger. Like, Jake Eater was a very highly regarded pitching prospect pre-Tommy John. And that's the – what you like about this is that they added quality prospects to this. Uh, Granted, some of that's being back from health, but how many potential top 100 prospects, either past or current, uh, do they pick up here out of of rentals with the exception of Jake Berger? Like four or five probably. Jake Eater is a top 100 in the past. Mistrini will be. Uh, that's someday. how you nail it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a. And now you have time in the off season because you didn't. There is no uh, impetus to move Cease. You have he'll get the same return in the off season within it. So if you want to do that and do further into a rebuild and look more strategic, when you have all like more teams that would be willing to consider him versus those that are not, uh, maybe not in contention right now, you open the door for more offers. Makes sense there, Tim Anderson. Uh, still can uh, trade in the in the off season as well. That's the one I thought made more sense to move now. But uh, both those guys, along with what they've put together, you can start uh, figuring out uh, uh, your next uh, rebuild, what you have, and then what strategically to be looking for uh, in, in the free agent market this team can spend uh, within it. So you can be uh, looking at things from a multi-year uh, level. We'll see what happens there, but I like the returns that they've received uh, from those uh, uh, from those trades. Uh, that was my winner in that category. Is there anyone else that we should mention in that, or should we move to the uh, those the 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 no bueno? The no buenos. Let's the do no it. buenos. Let's do here. it. I have some here that I want to start with. So, oh, let's start with the New York Mets. So I just said Houston gave up two highly regarded prospects, and they did. The Mets are doing okay, specifically Steve Cohen as owner because. He's he's writing these ridiculously large checks. It's, What's crazy? He's still writing them, right? This I is know. a you're, you're, it's a sell off, but he's still writing the checks, and he at least believes that I, I may not be able to buy a championship, but can I buy a farm system? That's exactly what he's doing, right? So he's basically saying, "I will pay you." We have a bad farm system because we've sold out for major league talent, which they did. And now instead I will pay you, you can take my good players. You just have to give me good, bad, good players. So like the returns they got, you know, Ryan Clifford, Drew Gilbert. I said, I like that return. That's really good for Justin Verlander. He is a 40 year old pitcher who is, although he's coming off of Cy Young, not been as good this year. Luis Angel Acuna is a very good player. Like, I like some of that. And I, for Max Scherzer, I don't remember the exact return. I, oh, that was the Luis Angel Acuna one. So uh, for like from the Brewers, they got Justin Jarvis from Arcana. That's a, a probably a bullpen arm, but it's something for a 37, 8-year-old. I don't know how old he is now, but Tommy Pham. They even traded for Jeremy Rodriguez, who's a big, pr- pretty good shortstop in, way down in the Dominican League, but those guys, sometimes they develop. The Brewers got Freddie Peralta for Adam Lind many years ago when he was like 17 years old. So the Mets way, could this work? 
it could. It's just something we've never seen before. So calling them a loser, sure, you you traded away two Hall of Fame pitchers for a bunch of prospects, and they're fine prospects. But remember, the Mets are the team that not that long ago traded off their Jared Kelnick prospect, who we all thought was, what could they be doing here? And Jared Kelnick is – trading prospects is always a fickle thing. So there's there's a blend. There's always the uh, – you, you trade in going for it, and you give up Fernando Tatis Jr., right? Uh, but then you also have, uh, I, uh, it wasn't Eno Saris. I'm forgetting the, the person who was doing the look back, uh, the 2013 top, uh, top hundred prospects. Uh, so 10 years later, right? How many of them are, are big time contributors or at least solid, just solid contributors, starters, uh, in the in major league baseball of the hundred, like 20. Yeah. At least it was more than that, but not uh, by a t- 35. Yeah. So all the all the 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 pearl clutching prospect huggers that, that are out there, that's a thirty five thirty five percent. Was it Philly? Was it Rob Thompson with Philly who said we're not trying to build a farm system? It was not that long. In the last couple of weeks, and they asked him where you're going to trade, and he's like, I don't really. No, it was Boston. It was Alex Alex Cora with Boston, yes. right? Who said he's like, I don't really care where we rank on top one hundred. Although they didn't do anything, they traded for Luis Urias, so they they held Pat too. But yes, continue. Sorry. No, that's just the the. The challenge is both, uh, and because uh, now here's one revisionist history. Uh, it was rumored that it was out there for the, when Sean Murphy was was getting traded that Oakland asked the Tampa Bay Rays uh, for Taj Bradley and Kyle Manzardo. Would you make that trade now? Yes. Uh yeah, probably. I probably would if I could get him to sign the same contract that he did with Atlanta. Yes. Right. If you, the guaranteed years within it, if that was the case, I would do that trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, top three catcher uh, in the game right now, uh, and then you have him locked, and you have him locked up for how many years? When it's hard to find anything within it, so in that move, would the Rays rather have Aaron Savali and Taj Bradley, or would he rather have Sean Murphy? Uh, and you're talking about here, you, at least you can you can patch together pitching. You've done it for years, right? Even when you don't have the top ones available at the time, what's the catcher situation? So again, at first, people at the beginning of the year, oh, that's who as outlandish. How could you ever make a trade like that within it? Well, uh, and that's what happens when you when you hold on to guys uh, too much. But the flip side of caution always is, yeah, there is Fernando Tatis Jr. in that too. For James Shields, Fernando Tatis for James. Jordan Alvarez was a Dodger. Can you imagine having him in that lineup. Like, yes, it it happens. It's tough to value. It's tough to value what the Mets did in. Four years could Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, and Luis Angel Acuna be starting for the Mets next to Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. Uh, I think is Pete Alonso a free agent after next year. He is, I think, right? He is, and that's the biggest offseason question mark uh, with him uh, yeah. that I could see him being moved if they if they're saying we're a couple years out and they don't want to pay the big money contract uh, to it. That's the that's the biggest question mark in the offseason of a major guy that could get moved. I think that's the one that could be there. And I'll go ahead and say I think the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, are a fit for that because, uh, without turning this into a raised podcast, very briefly, uh, if you hear me out, they offered six years, one fifty, uh, for uh, for uh, uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, in, in that uh, off season. Mm-hmm. Pete Alonso is not Freddie Freeman. Didn't they just give a huge contract to Yandy Diaz for like, them? For, for them, three years, twenty four mil. Uh, yeah, so okay. as for them, yeah. But they were willing to offer twenty five mil a season for a for uh, for an elite first baseman, right? Mm-hmm. That's the top of the market for first base still. And all the craziness is up. That's the top. 
So as far as whatever Pete Alonso would get, uh, if he's at near $20 million for one last year of team control, you t- and he'll be free agent going into his age 30 season. Five years, 100 mil, five years, 125. Like, so a six-year, $150 million contract for a hometown kid. He's from Tampa. Is he? Uh, we've seen more of those types of deals lately. Uh, Matt Olson liked going yeah. there too because that's a hometown uh, within it, happy to go back within it. Like it could happen. It could happen. Uh, bid the Cubs. That's who's going to bid a ton of money on him is the Cubs because they are running out uh, Patrick Wisdom still. At, I, I know well, they could always get uh, the, their uh, Pete uh, Crow Armstrong uh, back, uh, who they gave up in a trade with then, who now looks like a very elite prospect. Uh, there's so, back. Uh, that tra- the Mets gave up Trevor Williams and Javier Baez, I believe, in that trade for Pete Crow Armstrong. So yeah. there's another one. Yeah. Thank you. Never know. I forgot where are we at on this. I forgot where we're at. We're in the so loser still. We've been going on on, on, on a Mets uh, uh, mm, within it. Mets let's losers. let's add in a uh, so a big market blunders. So we have the New York Mets and we'll put the New York Yankees right there. We'll stay in, in New York. They just didn't do anything. Like they they made one trade for Keenan Middleton from the White Sox, which is a Keenan Middleton's a fine middle relief pitcher. He's we said before you need middle relief, but look, this is not a this is not the typical Yankees, and and the typical Yankees hasn't worked. So I don't want to sit here and say all oh, the Yankees should have traded off all their big prospects, and they could have, you know, Jordan Montgomery could be back with the Yankees. Like I'm not saying that makes them a winner, but to sit to stand pat while everyone else is doing something, like either either go for the either go for this or or then. Do the teardown. Like, if you truly want to build from the inside, okay, you're going to keep Judge, right? But I think we're talking about next year, Glaber Torres has to be getting close to being a free agent. I don't know when it is, but he has to be getting close to this. Rizzo's been terrible at first base. Like, Rizzo has been awful for the better part of three months now. And wasn't he signed to at least a two-year deal? Yes. Yeah. Terrible. And I, DJ the May, who's bad, like, go for – use some of these young players. This is a team right here that's hoarding them, right? Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, Everson Pereira, like they have a lot of these guys. Use them then if you're not because you're not winning. Well, I guess they're winning some games. They're still what they are currently three games above 500. It looks like they're going to be four games above 500 tonight. But I don't know. It just felt like this is a team that's getting very much into that stuck in the middle mode that we talk about, where you're going to be a fine team. The Yankees will probably win 85 games this year. Will it get them in the playoffs? Probably not. Will they win 85 games next year? Could they win 85 net games next year again? Yep. Will they be good? Probably not. Here's the danger of the look at that uh, at, at that division. Who do you expect to take a step back next year? Toronto's roster is fine. Yep. And, and they'll be aggressive within it. Uh, may, it's a battle between the uh, Yankees and Red Sox for the seller. Orioles aren't getting aren't, aren't slipping back. They're uh, if, if they haven't made uh, many moves yet, or they, they need a big pitcher, if that's the one thing they need in the offseason, their payroll is so low that they can go get anybody with it. And we just saw how many uh, rental pitchers are there right now that will be free agents at the end of this year. Uh, there's a, a solid list, and they don't need, well, it'd be great to have a Dylan Cease. You just need a solid uh, pitcher, just an, uh, an above-average pitcher with what their offense is doing within it, and you still have more that's on, on their way and their farm system. Can we talk about the move they made? Uh, another one. So maybe it's just these are not guys that I particularly like. Aaron Savale would fall under that list. Uh, Jack Flaherty is who the Orioles acquired. He would absolutely fall under that list of players. I, 
I get it. He will probably be better in Oakland than he was in St. Louis. First off, it is almost impossible to hit home runs out of their park as a right-handed hitter now because of what they did to the fence. Jorge Soler just tied it up with a home run. Sorry. Bottom of the ninth. Um, it is Go get another $5 impossible. burger. I know, right? Exactly. Almost impossible to hit a home runs out of there, so he will probably be better than he was with St. Louis. Hopefully going to a contender will help him here. I don't trust it at all. I just, I don't know. Now, did they give up a whole lot? No. They didn't give up any of their highly regarded prospects. They're all still there. They gave up a guy who I think at AAA, I've seen the comparisons to Luis Arise because he puts the ball bat on the ball so much. It wasn't a whole lot. Colton Kyles are still there. Uh, Connor Norby's still there. Jordan Westberg's still there. Like I can name tons of them, right? So, yes, they could absolutely just be waiting. And could this team make a big play and go out and get some star pitcher in the offseason? Yep. I think that's possible. But for now, look. They're probably the favorite right now in the AL East because they're in the lead, and they don't show signs of slowing down. They keep winning games. They did lose today to Toronto, but it's a good team. It just felt like this team, and then I'm going to segue right into the Reds, who are still leading the National League Central, and another really good team who has a lot of prospects, but they didn't make a move. for a pro- They traded for Sam Moll, who is a left-handed relief pitcher. But could that team have went out and traded for any of these players we talk about, like they have traded for Lance Lynn. They could easily out trade what like Nick Nestrini. We talked about how good it was. I like that return. The, the Reds could beat that. They absolutely could have beat that. Now is Lance Lynn maybe that much better. I don't know. He's pitched terrible this year, but it would have been something. I it just feel like these two teams that are ahead of where we thought are just sitting on their hands. At least someone would have been good there. I don't know if Lance Lynn and that sure, band yeah, box of a, of a stadium with Homer issues would have been the best, but there's no excuse not to get one of these guys that's been moving through with them. And that's my my second category uh, has both of the uh, too scared to make the move. Uh, teams that are the, the surprise teams that are fully in it. The NL Central is most winnable division outside of the AL Central. Right? It's, it's where you have a shot for anything. Uh, any improvement helps you there within it for, for contention, and you have a younger team that you can grow with. So you build the excitement, which also might matter in free agency if you're wanting to spend anything within it to show that you are on that rise up within it. Uh, Orioles, they are uh, arguably the best team in the American League. Uh, with, with uh, They are stacked. What they need is another pitcher that they're... The concern for them is you have uh, inexperienced pitching going into the postseason. Having one veteran at the top who can actually do it, not Kyle Gibson, sorry, uh, helps immensely and takes some of the pressure off the other guys. I think that's important for for now and also getting a chance to grow within it. It's a missed opportunity when it wouldn't when it wouldn't cost you the top of your farm system to be able to find improvement. Uh, even so, like and even if you don't uh, not necessarily like him, they could have matched the Aaron Savali move with that and then and you had multiple years of team control uh or, or again that type of move can could make sense like the too scared to jump in where even even from a either trade prospects or give money you got to do one of the two uh now it may not end up mattering uh but this is one of those moves you'll, you'll point back to or the lack thereof uh where they could have you had an opportunity to do more than just make the postseason uh and you hope you didn't miss that that chance you mentioned the words lack thereof. Let's talk about the trade that didn't happen. The Dodgers apparently had an agreement for Eduardo Rodriguez. He wanted to stay on the East Coast. Uh, guess which is further east than Detroit? Uh, Baltimore is further east than Detroit. Cincinnati is sli- probably mm-hmm. slightly further east than Detroit. 
So maybe, I don't know, maybe he told everybody I'm not moving. And but the reports are that he just wanted to stay on the East Coast because of family things, which is fine. He earned the right for his no trade clause. Go for it 100%. But. And that, my, my soapbox, you ready for the rant? Sure. Shame on the, the Tigers' the front office for having their heads up their butt uh, to not have our, you know how you avoid all this stuff with it? Because now he's being looked at like the bad guy oh, for what's in way. his contract. Yeah. He had every right to say no, and that should have been handled behind closed doors. He said, hey, we're, we're talking about this team. Would you be okay with this? Because he, because ultimately he can't say that everyone ends up with egg on their face that you don't need to. It also makes the Dodgers look bad oh, yeah. uh, with that. This was a an unnecessary misstep. But, of course, they did give up uh, uh, Isaac Paredes for, uh, for Austin okay, Meadows. We're talking about the Tigers. Uh, we're yeah, talking about the Tigers front the, office here, the one that gave Javier Baez $180 million. You're, but, They're not a great job. No way. But, the uh, yeah, just this was an easy one to handle. It didn't need to be made public, and it was only made public because of the front office's uh, mistakes. Roto Rodriguez, best pitcher on Baltimore? He would be, right? Yeah, uh, And he's comfortable pitching in the AL East. He's done that uh, within it. I, I'm just saying that that was the weird – that one didn't happen – I thought that he would have made a lot of sense for one of those teams. Um, other teams that were afraid to pull the trigger, how about San Francisco? San Francisco, I, I've said many times, I don't think they're going to hold on, and they're starting to lose ground as far as out in the National League West, which was to be expected, but their only move was to acquire A.J. Pollock, who's been awful for the better part of five years. Honestly, I thought he retired. I didn't even know he was still playing, I, which is saying something. I do this and watch, I don't know, way too much baseball, but I did not know he was still playing. But they've passed the Diamondbacks. Like, the Giants are in second. They're two and a half games behind the Dodgers. You couldn't do any – we know they want to spend money. I just felt like, now, do they have a great farm system? It's okay, but it would have required you to give up something. And instead, here we sit the next day, and the Giants are rolling out the same lineup, and A.J. Pollock will be their fourth outfielder until he gets hurt. I don't know. Like, why isn't Tim Anderson on the Giants? Yeah, that would have been a great fit. Uh, for that, and maybe he will be in the offseason, but he had missed opportunity uh, uh, with that because San Francisco still feels like the team that's going to be left holding the bag at the end when uh, we end up the because they want offense. You know how how sh- the offensive shortage what there is in the next uh, uh, free agent market within it too. Like there's not a lot there, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what what happens. But yet another missed opportunity team for sure. And it's sad because we've seen this team where it feels like they should be better. How about the Boston Red Sox last one I have? We said they could go one way or the other. They could sell off. They could buy in. They stood pat. They traded for Luis Urias from the Brewers, who is down on the minors. I think he could be okay, but it's not moving the needle one way or the other. I I don't know. Like, do they think their team is good enough to compete this year? Probably not. I don't. They've been good. I don't think they're suddenly a better team than today now that than Baltimore or Toronto or Tampa Bay. At best, they're probably still the fourth best team. So, why is James Paxton still on this team? Are, are you is he going to sign him? Like, is James Paxton your future here? Sure, they're going to get Chris Sale back soon. He's out on a rehab assignment. Does adding Chris Sale suddenly push Baltimore or Boston into the playoffs and as a favorite here? This team continues to surprise me of the... I think they're getting more out of their talent than other teams. I think they're getting more out of their pitching but, talent. I th- I've i said before, I think their team is still... like Their, their offense is fantastic. And they take advantage of Fenway Park in that way, as, you, as you'd as expect a team to. But have you seen uh, uh, Tristan Casas' numbers in like the last two months? 
That's the uh, guy that I. That's the guy I wanted early on in the year that I trusted, and then I gave up on him too early. But yes, he looks. Okay, so Tristan. Here's here's a quick segue. Young first baseman, Tristan Casas or Vinny P. I would say Vinny P, but I, I I've not been watching Tristan Casas to wonder if that's that's true. That's a. Uh, uh, lack of knowledge uh, bias than it is anything else. I like Vinny P overall, but uh, I think it's close. I think, I think it's closer than what I than what my lack of knowledge uh, has within it, which is what makes it more interesting for uh, extremely highly regarded. And as we learned, success in the majors is not linear. It it, it, it takes time, and you wait for it to click. So for some. 35% success rate from 10 years ago. Guys that are still um, uh, in the majors, there were top 100 regarded prospects. So it's still as as hard as it is to be an elite hitter, uh, uh, missing 7 out of 10 times. So it is in the top 100 prospect list uh, for that within it. So it takes these guys and the ones that click, it takes a while. Has Casas finally gotten that next step within it? That front office better hope so because uh, uh, Alex Cora made it abundantly clear, as we've already mentioned, that uh, I don't care about uh, whatever the, the the farm system ranking is. I want to see on on field talent uh, with that, and uh, that hot seat is very warm in Boston. Tristan Casas is a 124 WRC plus. That's fantastic. Absolutely. They are going to get Chris Sale back. They're going to get Trevor Story back soon. Now. They traded Kike Hernandez back to the Dodgers because another it just made sense that Kike Hernandez should be a Dodger. And so Trevor Story fills in there. Chris Sale moves to the top of the rotation. And maybe they can. Maybe I'm maybe they can push to the playoffs. But then maybe James Paxton leaves them. Right? Like, I, I don't know. I would love to see him be good. It's I like I like Boston as a team, I just generally do, but I don't know that they're better or not. But yeah, Tristan Casas, awesome player. Devers is great. Yoshida, like they have good, te- they have good players on their team. That's not the question. And they were getting ripped for that uh, uh, Yoshida uh, move within yeah. it for, uh, and they've been right. Uh, and I, believe he's, I don't know if he still was. He was leading the American League in batting, and last I looked. And yes, JD Martinez rebounded uh, with uh, the Dodgers, but the the swap getting Justin Turner has worked out just fine. Uh, with it, there's there's no drop off there, and someone who can actually play defense, so you're not stuck uh, in uh, only a, a DH role. Uh, within it, then your young players coming up. Uh, Jared Duran is. Uh, he actually uh, looks good too. Yeah. So there, uh, if you were in the in the owner's office and you're saying, why should you have a shot at uh, uh, at continuing to uh, run this team uh, next year or the next couple of years within it? Why should we have confidence uh, in your moves? I think there's a decent case to be made when you start going through these moves overall of what's there, the farm system that is back developing. Uh, guys that are the young players are now making that next step within it. I think the thing uh, the thing to say is, like, give me some money to spend with to augment this. If, if we need pitching, that's the strength of the free agent market coming up. We'll obviously preview that as we get closer to that time frame within it. But if you need to add uh, one or two league average or better pitchers uh, to put to that list, that, that you can do, trying to add a couple of bats, is going to be harder to do with this. So if you have these bats that are coming around, if you're having Duran and Casas starting to uh, make those moves, if Story can uh, come back and be anything close to what he's been, with it, there's there's opportunity there within it. So we'll have to see how that goes. He is Yoshida is third in the American League in batting average among qualified behind That'll play. our guy Bo Bichette and Yandy Diaz, who we just talked about. Hold on, just to, another segue. Ronald Acuna has 24 home runs and 51 RBIs, hitting 331. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> at least he's in the uh, the non-Otani division, so he's got a shot at an MVP. Wow, that is fantastic. Sorry. Uh, 
we have winners, we have lures, losers, and we have brewers. Uh, we so have we, the had to our, we had to our final uh, segment on it and uh, intentionally not put them in any category because they're a category under themselves here. Uh, right. As a non-brewers fan, I'll start and just say uh, again what you like to see a team doing is go for it. Do what you can with it. Don't sit on your hands. There's nothing more frustrating, and it's because you're watching these things and you could say. How many teams truly improve themselves to actually give themselves a shot at the playoffs where it wasn't just moves for the sake of moves? I get it, but you can always make moves around the edges, around the margins, uh, to improve depth, do the little things, make a lineup just a little bit bigger, uh, and make a pitcher work a little bit harder to induce one or two more mistake pitches. That is the difference between winning and losing. Uh, and that's Mark Hanna uh, with, with that type of a trade with us, someone who also works at bats, good on base percentage. Not flashy. It's going to look like average at, at best within it. Average defense. So nothing large about the move, but it's a good move. It just is enough at the top of a lineup or however you want to use them. You have a few more opportunities there within it. I, I like that uh, move within it. Uh, go look at his numbers. Andrew Chafin is, uh, uh, for a left-handed uh, reliever, one of the better left-handed relievers uh, easily in the National League, if not in all of uh, Major League Baseball. Hmm? I. What do you need down the stretch with it? You need relief pitching, especially when it goes to guys maybe go four innings in the playoffs uh, with it. You need more bullpen depth to accomplish that and to be able to mix and match on the basis of the team that you're facing. That's huge uh, to have him as a, a left-handed guy uh, who's used to a late-inning uh, experience. So you like that one as well. I, I like the moves that they've made. Uh, yeah, yeah. I even throw in the third one. The About a week before the trade deadline, they traded for Carl Santana. So you were talking about like on base percentage, right? That's we heard Steve Cohen talk about it last year when the Mets, the Brewers are lacking in it, and Carlos Santana's probably going to hit two thirty. He's. Do you remember after the twenty twenty season? I wanted the Brewers to sign Carlos Santana. Like that was the one I wanted. Yep. He went to the Royals. He was not great, but not a whole lot has changed for Carlos Santana in the last three years. The average, it's not great. It'll probably be two thirty, two twenty, somewhere in there. Now, he's going to have 100 points of on base percentage on top of that because he's going to walk all the time. And he's a switch hitter. Doesn't really have a split. So you can play him against lefties and righties because he switch hits. Uh, Mark Hanna, you said it, like high on base guy, played DH in his first couple games. I think that's where he plays. And Carlos Santana is a rental, but Mark Hanna, not, a te- not necessarily a rental. Uh, he does have a team option for next year. So you could bring him back if you'd like it. And then, yeah, Chafin. So the Brewers had a plan for a lefty at this point of the year. In the offseason, they signed Justin Wilson, who you may remember from, like, four trade deadlines ago. He was pretty dominant. I think he was with Detroit at the time. He got traded to the Cubs. He was coming off of Tommy John. The Brewers signed him. He worked his way all the way back, got to the rehab start, and in his last pitch on a as he was warming up to come into his first game in over a year and a half, he had some shoulder pain and went right back on the aisle. So he never did get in, which sucked. But, yeah, it meant the Brewers needed a lefty. And Chafin, it's not as good as he's, like, the surface numbers aren't as good as he's been in the last few years, but the FIP says he's basically the same pitcher who's posted ERAs under three the past two years. And another one, like, he's got a team option. It's not necessarily that Chafin's a rental either. He he could be back next year for a guy who's, you know, just like he went to the Diamondbacks in that move for a guy who's under control for a few more years. Yeah, the, the Brewers added three veteran players. They're a better team now than they were two weeks ago because of it. You follow them more than I, so how would you say when it comes to their to their offense, do they do better versus right-handed versus left-handed? Is there a weakness? Dude, they're awful against they're awful against lefties. 
That's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. Because if you look at the numbers and look at the splits, so I just went to Carlos Santana and I went to Mark Hanna. Both those guys have on-base percentages versus left-handed pitching of 340. Good. Uh, so getting on base and giving more opportunities for if you do uh, run into a homer, for it to matter more or just a double within it. These are... So what I want you to see, uh, not you, any, any Brewer fan in general, uh, is this front office was strategic to its weaknesses. There wasn't a lot of offense out there. Yeah, you can make the argument, Candelaro would have looked nice. Sure, uh, I, no, no dispute uh, to that. But both these guys, to the specific weakness against left-handed pitching, they addressed that. Uh, you, you are above average in on-base percentage, uh, for that. That's what you want to see around the margins and another uh, reliever to go with that. This team is better today than they were before the trade deadline. Uh, I like those moves overall. It's nothing flashy, nothing that's going to get you executive of the year, but could it get you to the playoffs? Absolutely. I was just bringing it up. The Brewers are second worst in the in all of baseball with a 229 average against left-handed pitching. The only an, team worse is the Minnesota Twins, who also have, did nothing. Sorry. Does it show you also on base percentage? could probably figure that out. Just give me a second here. Because I'm curious on that one because batting average is hard to find in general within it. Uh, but the uh, Ooh, They move the up, OBP. I guess, sorry. They move up in on-base percentage. They are only 24th ahead of the powerhouses like, once again, Minnesota, the Colorado <laughs> Rockies, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Oakland Athletics. Uh, what is their OBP? Does it show? 307 against left-handers. So this is a good uh, 30 to 40 points above that. For what their averages of what these two guys bring into that WRC, uh, WRC plus, which we like because it scores on a 100 point scale. Colorado dead last with a 71 because of course they are. Brewers are all the way up at 26th with an 87 WRC plus against lefties. Head of the Colorado Rockies, the Cleveland Guardians, the Minnesota Twins, and the San Francisco Giants. 111 for Mark Hanna. Nice. Uh, and I'm trying to pull up uh, 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 Carlos uh, Santana here. Just getting those numbers up here uh, just to see where that fits for those advanced metrics and even 100. Uh, so hey. le- league average on that part. Uh, but they were, they were three, uh, three again, it need to understand. So they were on like 80. Is that what it was versus uh, the WRC plus for the Brewers? Close. So under, understand, it's not just like, oh, it's uh, like 20 points of on-base percentage. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, every 10 points is a full standard deviation below. So they are a full two rungs below league average. So you added league average and a, an above league, league average within that. Uh, that helps. And every little bit helps. Uh, as also you look, bottom line, it's health of pitching. That's what's going to drive them. But this is where at the margins, this can be the difference in a three to two ball game of who ends up with three and who ends up with two. Uh, so uh, both from bullpen. Uh, and from the, the added uh, bats that were done here. So I, I like the the, the, the Brewers. Uh, uh, if I would rank them uh, for teams that I like the most uh, uh, for offs- for trade deadline moves, I would sandwich this one between third and, third and fifth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as like what it was within it. Because also you didn't give up much nope. uh, within that. Jackson so when Churio is still a Brewer. Sal Freelich is still a Brewer. Joey Weimer is still a Brewer. Like all the big prospects are still Brewers. Yeah, they did not give up a whole lot. And... Third to fifth, I, that's probably right. Somewhere in there. I think, you know, I'd put, who would you, who would you actually put first? 
I'll give the Rangers yeah, uh, for yeah. the, the full body of work. Yeah. Uh, so when, you, when you're going back to uh, uh, the multiple good relievers uh, in there within it, uh, a veteran at the top, and two of them now are dealing with also the uh, what they wanted DeGrom to be for someone to actually be there at the top, and then for the second guy who is now gone with injured too to replace it. like That, that is impressive. Uh, and, and to still uh, improve the team beyond what you first were trying to do at the beginning of the year. Excellent. Yeah, that that's the team that I... I would say is the top two. Uh, just quick mention of some of the teams we didn't talk about, like San Diego. San Diego made some moves. Uh, you mentioned earlier that they won games at the end, so they suddenly did not need to trade off some of their players. But instead, they went out. They actually got Scott Barlow to set up for to, for Josh Ader to lengthen their bullpen. Hey, a little a bit. for effort for Preller, man. He doesn't stop. He <laughs> keeps trying to do something within it. Uh, it's uh, at some point you like it to work out for him. And uh, my boy Juan Soto is going lights out in the oh, last man. couple months. I love it. It's, uh, so maybe, just maybe. Yeah. A for them, or I don't know about A, but a good offseason for them. Uh, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks' biggest weakness by far was closing. Like, by far. Their bullpen was pretty awful. Got Paul Seawald. Paul Seawald desperately needed bullpen help. Now, they paid up for Paul Seawald. Like, they gave up Dominic Canzone, who's a pretty highly regarded prospect in the outfield. Now, they have a shit ton of outfielders. Uh, Ryan Bliss, who I think, at least at one point, led the double-A in hits. They gave him up. But Paul Seawald will be around for next year. I, I He's certainly their best closure that they had. They also traded for Tommy Pham, which I don't know why, but sure, those teams need to be mentioned. And then Philly. Hey, if, you're, if your fantasy football team gets out of line, <laughs> Tommy Pham will get on you. He'll, Watch he'll, out, Mike Trout. Or was it Mike Trout? No, he was like the guy who told him. It was Jack Peterson, right? Uh, and Philly. We didn't mention Philly. Philly traded for Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen was a big name during the during the trade rumors season. Uh, gave up a infield prospect, Howie Lee, I believe is how you say it. But Lorenzen was an all-star. It's another one, kind of like Savali. He's pitching above his head. Lorenzen is not this good. And here's the thing about Michael Lorenzen is – He's been a relief pitcher for big chunks of his year, so I'm not really sure like how many innings Michael Lorenzen's got left in him this year, but we'll see. They already have five-ish good starting pitchers, so I'm not sure if they're going to go to a six-man rotation, but getting him makes you a better team. It's like For everything I said about Aaron Savale and Justin Verlander, they are a better team now with all those players. But was it the biggest need for Philly? Probably not. I kind of had this hope that they were going to trade for Tiasca Hernandez just because just be to cool. do it. But uh, I like that one for Philly. I think we've pretty much covered all the big ones now. We'll be uh, uh, off for uh, 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 at least a, a week here uh, uh, within that. And, uh, yeah, some slackers are, are there uh, uh, within it. So, Josh Bell, three for four. Jake Berger, two for four. Sorry. Would love to see that uh, push for them <laughs> within it. But when we come back, we'll uh, uh, let's, by that point, we'll be about at, at least 10 days from the – uh, 10 days to two weeks from the actual trade deadline itself. Uh, we'll get a chance to uh, reevaluate. Let's do power rankings of where things uh, uh, line up. We'll have two weeks into the, the new the new norm. What uh, what jolt of energy did that give? Uh, and by that point, we'll have a, about six weeks left in the season. So let's do the uh, the rankings before we get into the, the, the home stretch and look towards the hunt for uh, for October. Uh, so coming. that'll be our, our plan coming up here when we, when we come back uh, and get ready for some... Uh, uh, some fall fun. I'm not ready to say that yet, uh, but uh, by the time we get through, only a couple weeks from football season beginning uh, and baseball going into full pennant chase. So it's uh, it's that time pre-season of year. Start, preseason will start this week, doesn't it? I think the Hall of Fame Is game it? comes uh, within it. So That's crazy. Uh, and uh, I saw uh, college football practices began. Right. Uh, so we are uh, at uh, the fun time of year for the uh, 
two uh, football beginning, both college and pro, uh, as well as uh, uh, baseball uh, contention going. Uh, it is uh, uh, getting ready to ratchet up in all the good ways. Uh, and apparently, I got the notice on August 1st, once that hit, uh, some of our favorite uh, coffee spots were letting us know that the fall flavors uh, are now in <laughs> season. Spice. So here pumpkin comes the pumpkin, season. ready or not. With that, we'll see you soon.